Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It is Wednesday night. You know what that means. Four nights before Christmas morning. So it's the Holiday Bash AEW Dynamite episode and podcast here on Wrestling Inc. Good evening around the world to you. I'm Justin Labar alongside Jimmy Corderas, former WWE referee of 20 plus years, as well as the NYC demon diva Issa, who looks to be frozen at the moment. But even when frozen, she still tops both Jimmy and I. Jimmy, how are you tonight? I'm hanging in there, just getting ready for snowmageddon over here, or whatever's going to happen. But uh, we will figure it out. Uh, you know, it's, it wouldn't be the first time. So, yeah, it's uh, you know, hate to make this a a, a weather 
show, but it certainly does look uh, a little little daunting. It's coming. Uh, you know, you and I are in the same kind of uh, path uh, over yes. the next forty-eight hours. Uh, Issa, mm -hmm. glad that you are back up with us. How are you tonight? I'm good. I'm good. I I don't have any snow where I'm at, so it's great. <laughs> spoiled, <laughs> spoiled, spoiled. Yeah, no shoveling snow for you. Um, well, it's uh, quite the episode of Dynamite tonight uh, we, that we will get into. Uh, see everybody still filing in, which we appreciate as you're watching live, uh, wherever you may be watching, whether that is YouTube or uh, one of the other social media platforms. But uh, before we go to Dynamite, let's hit a few news items as we like to do. You can find all of this on Wrestling Inc. Now, Mandy Rose, she's made a lot of buzz in the last week, uh, having uh, kind of suddenly dropped her NXT women's title uh, just over a week ago, then getting released by the company. Uh, by what we understand was because of the content of uh, the risque content that she was putting out behind a paywall. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's still at, the, at this moment is still not with the company. It looks like she's done for the time being. Her agent came out earlier this week and he had said that even since just her release that her that she'd already made five hundred thousand dollars just off of the subscriptions and paid content that she's putting out. Uh, and he says that uh, you know she expects to make one million by Christmas. Uh, Hall of Famer Booker T had a little bit to say about this on his podcast as he basically says, quote, you've got to have the dumbest agent in the world for him to be reporting how much money you've been making. That makes no sense. Why don't he put how much Uncle Sam has taken out of it yeah. as well? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As well as what his cut is. Uh, Booker has uh, also has a suspicions about if those financial figures are, in fact, uh, completely correct. He says she's gonna have to do a whole lot of naked photos. Okay, I'm just being straight up. Uh, even if Rose w were to break that million dollar buck barrier, uh, Booker once received some sound advice from his sister. Uh, he said, "Fast money goes fast." Um, so Booker T. So I mean, Jimmy, I'll, I'll go to you first, just because uh, I don't know if you ever had an agent when you were working with WWE, but you've certainly been around your share of. Of these kind of you know of, of negotiations and, and and the battle of leverage, uh, what was your reaction to Mandy Rose's agent coming out and and saying this? Well, I never had an agent during my time at WWE, and uh, uh, so uh, I do have an agent now for other stuff that I I do on the side. But uh, that's a different story completely altogether. And you know what? I understand exactly where Booker's coming from because, um, you know, along with the fact that him disclosing how much money she's making publicly. Obviously I'm, I'm hoping that he got her permission to do so. And even though, even if he did, it's still, you know, why not just say I'm making more money doing this than I am in WWE currently uh, under my current WWE contract. So for now it financially makes sense. You can get away with it like that, but at the same time, you know, Booker's got a point. I think there's a little more longevity in our business, rather the wrestling business, than there is in the uh, adult entertainment business. Let's just put it that way. But I, I, not being um, in tune with that business very much, I don't know how what what the, what the, the longevity of uh, someone's uh, participation in that business is. So, Issa, you have content behind a paywall. I do. Um, if if you had uh, if you had got cut from another you know another job because of the of, of, of that content is the angle that's going here assuming that again assuming the agent got mandy rose is okay is, is the angle here like haha former employer you screwed up i'm this is working to my benefit a and then by going out and being so you know brash to actually to actually list the financial figure 
is that a sign that it's a lie? Because like if you actually, know, I don't, it's I don't, kind of like that thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think it's a lie necessarily. I think you're giving the 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 gross profit here and not taking into consideration what Booker said. Um, I'll give you an example. Fan time as well as OnlyFans. That's the paywall that I choose for my content. They take 20%. So now we're talking already $100,000 that she's not seeing from this money. Um, uh, somebody, Then you got to put aside for your taxes because they don't take that out for you. And somebody at the scale of Mandy Rose probably has a team. We're already talking an agent. I would assume when you have a certain amount of subscribers, you probably have somebody handling certain things for you. Therefore, they also take a chunk. If she's still seeing a, 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 probably $100,000 plus in a week, yes. I think coming out, sharing the, the amount is more of a ha-ha. At the same time, you have to understand that this has been the biggest marketing move that you can give Mandy Rose's pay content. People are going to want to find out what are people paying half a million dollars for and more people are going to subscribe. I have been um, doing this type of content for two years and the hardest thing is retention. When you got that wave of you just started making the content, everybody's going to come around. They want to see their turn the renewal off. They just want to see what you're doing. So talk to me about how Mandy's doing in this platform a year from now. Very good points. Very good points. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Um uh, I mean, I, all, I I can't say though her, her name. You know, I mean, she had a great, she was having a great run in, in NXT, but her name yeah. certainly uh, in a lot of people's mouths right now on a lot of people's yeah. keyboards. So we'll see how far she can take that. Uh, real quick before we get to our next news story, uh, best in the smokers world coming in with a nice ten dollars super chat. He said he says I listen to this podcast while walking the dog at night. You three are the best, by the way. Jimmy, you and uh, Kyoto were my favorite referees back in the 90s when wrestling was at its peak. I miss those days. Oh, thank you so much, best in the smokers world. Uh, back in the day, Kyoto and I were smokers as well. Uh, cigarettes. Let's let's clarify that. <laughs> uh, I have been reformed for a long time now. And, it, you know, it, it's funny that I don't even have the urge ever at all. You know, and my brother is one of the, the cigar smokers. He, every once in a while, you know, he likes to have a cigar. And even then, I don't even feel like a cigar. I just, it's just out of my system, it's gone. Isn't that crazy? All those years, week after week, when you had to duck and dodge Vince with your cigarettes, and oh. now you're not around him at all, and now you don't even take part in it? You don't even yeah. have to hide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I used, I used to drive people nuts in the car because that's what kept us going. I, uh uh, colas and cigarettes kept me going uh, those long drives at night. You know, Jimmy, I, I quit due to the pandemic. When when the pandemic first started being in, in NYC, which was ground zero for it, I didn't want to go outside, not even for a cigarette. Yeah. And and that's that's how I quit. It was cold turkey, too. And, and, you know, knock on wood, everything has gone well. But I used to be a cigarette smoker as well, and that's really what forced me to quit. It was like at that point, you didn't know where you were going to catch it from. We didn't know a lot about corona, you know, back when it started. And you have to realize it got really bad in NYC to the point that we really didn't even want to go outside. And I'm not an inside smoker. My apartment never mm. will never smell smoke so yeah i also quit and it's like really funny because now i'm like damn like what how did i how did i sneak around i was sneak around my employees like i i used to have a higher up job when i work for corporate and in your i was like in your case i will take perfumes i will have a smoking coat so i wouldn't come back into my office smelling like cigarette like it was like a whole undercover one time my employee found me and they were like i wouldn't never guess and i'm like i try my best to keep it hidden <laughs> <laughs> it was a good way to deal with work. anxiety for yeah. me. Every it time, is. every time I will have anxiety, it will it will be a way to like deal with it. 
See, and, see, and for me, crossing the border every week to go to TV and go to on the on tour, I'm getting duty free smokes for for a good yeah. price. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've had a cigarette, but I can always go for a good cigar. Hmm. Nice. <laughs> I'd be sitting with you, I'd be sitting with your brother there, Jimmy. There you go. <laughs> All right, up next, uh, another story that's uh, I figured would start to get popular and get spread around, and, and, and it has. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, uh, with one C.J. Perry, you might know her better as the woman formerly known as Lana. Uh, she did an interview with 92.7 WMAY uh, radio. Uh, I don't know what city that is. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, Google it. <laughs> she says, in talking about her husband, Miro, she goes, well, you know, it so happens that the Redeemer is fighting on some battlefields against a couple of gods. Rusev Day will never die. It's always going to be around. The kids are always going to want to sing it, and I'm sure it will make a return in WWE at some point. Rusev, well, whatever he shows up back in, whatever freaking name or gimmick or character uh, he returns, at some point in WWE is going to be iconic. So uh, naturally getting a lot of buzz, Issa, that uh, his, his wife, uh, but basically just... Yeah, he's eventually going to be back there at some point. Now, that could be just a very open-ended, like, you know, oh, he'll be in Hall of Fame one day or something. But it kind of sounds like, especially because we've seen, like, such gaps in Miro's booking in AEW, kind of sounds like she might be hinting towards maybe what he's thinking about for his future. Miro is a talent in AEW that I can't help but to shake my head every time that I'm watching an episode, and I can't help but to think you have time for these people and not for Miro. You have creative for these people and not for Miro. I don't know that we'll ever get to hear the full size of side of the story, like both sides of the story, but it feels like something's not clicking with Miro in AEW, and I hate it. I haven't cared about the TNT title since he dropped it, and that's just me being honest. So you gotta you gotta give CJ a shout out for already starting to build those bridges back up because we just want to see the man on TV. Whether it's on WWE or AEW at this point, it just feels like we're wasting a talent. So let him come back. I, I love I love that she's already doing the work for him. She's a good wife. Yeah. <laughs> He is a good wife. Uh, Jimmy, one additional quote she had in this interview, she says, you know, uh, that's the great thing about wrestling is it doesn't matter what company you work for, what promotion, anything can happen. Let's be honest. We know that everyone always returns back to WWE at some point. So there you go. Hmm. I hate to be very cliche, but it's it's so true in this case that never say never in the wrestling business, because, you know, you could claim that there's so much heat between so and so and so and so he would never go back when you have a talent like Miro, like you said, and I I don't know which way to put it. Did he get Wardlow or did Wardlow get Miro? Either way, (laughs) there's just some talents there that they are not utilizing to their fullest potential. And these guys are, are money. It's almost like a reverse WWE because WWE back in the day, you know, they always said, Oh, WWE just likes the big guys. They don't like the little, the smaller guys, or the, the, you know, and it seems like in, in AEW, the focus is more on the, uh, I don't want to say smaller talents, but guys who are not, you know, a Wardlow or a Miro sized guy who could actually work and do some good stuff. It, it's almost like a reverse WWE in that, <laughs> in that thought. Yeah. But yeah, but I agree with both of you that he's an underutilized talent. And now under this new regime in WWE, uh, who knows, maybe there is a, you know, a rebirth there of some kind. It's all a matter when the contract ends, right? Mm-hmm. When you can become a free agent. Exactly. All right. Well, we mentioned Wardlow. We mentioned big guys. We'll uh, touch on a little bit of all that here as we jump <laughs> into the holiday bash of Dynamite Comedy from San Antonio, Texas. We kick it off with Ricky Starks. Huge pop for Ricky Starks 
talks on how he did lose last week, but at least he lost with respect and dignity, unlike the way that uh, MJF won to retain the title. He says that he will. there will be a rematch. He goes, he'll do whatever he has to do to work his way back to the front of the line. This is when Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Daniel Garcia come out, and Jericho says that uh, Ricky is not a dollar store Dwayne or anything. He has a million-dollar talent. Really puts over Ricky Starks here for a minute. He said, but he's just not quite ready yet. He needs some advice from a guy like a Chris Jericho. Ultimately, he invites Ricky Starks to join the JAS. Ricky Starks puts that, uh, turns that down. He, he does give a little compliment back. He says, you know, look, I'm impressed by you, Chris Jericho. You managed to stay relevant all these years. You know, just a few months ago, you were built like an air fryer. Now you're lean and mean. Um, but, you know, you now you're dressing like a single dad on his fifth divorce. Hell no, I am not joining. In fact, this is the Jobber Appreciation Society. Uh, challenges Jericho for a January 4th match on Dynamite, which it looks like we're going to get. But uh, we do not end it there. Jake Hager attacks from behind. But then to the rescue to save Ricky Starks, it is Action Andretti coming out. Again, he's coming off of his big uh, monumental win and upset against Jericho the week prior. Jimmy, you're sighing. I don't want to hold you back anymore. Go ahead. Oh, no. it's Look, I get it. Last week they did a hell of a job getting this kid over, making him look like a million bucks with the, you know, upset victory of the year, so to speak. And then all of a sudden he becomes a world beater. He comes out and takes out the entire JAS by himself. Come Thank on, you. man. You know, it, it, do I feel like there's a riff and rant in here somewhere? But anyway. Yes. You know, it's, yes, it just, go off. It, no, it doesn't make sense. You know, I get it. You want to build this kid up and make him look like something. At least let him come out and try and make the save and beat him down and let him get his, his uh, baby face heat back later on you can do it was just too soon for this uh, him becoming a uh, a no-name talent to a world beater i just it just makes no sense to me isa he didn't even come down he's coming down in a situation where he's out number he didn't even come with a weapon he didn't even bring a knife to a gunfight he just came out these fists baby these hands mm-hmm. i roll my eyes like i did like a triple eye roll I did like a triple eye roll to this. <laughs> it was bad. It was oh, bad. Man. It was bad. I I don't. I I. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, you you froze up on us. Like we can hear you. You just froze up on us. So I didn't know if you're there. Okay, so I like the Ricky Starks and Jericho promo back and forth. I thought that was great. <laughs> and then everything else started to happen, and I, st- I immediately stopped caring about the segment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, real quick, I'll jump ahead because I feel like uh, it's just no point to go back to it later. So a couple segments later, we do get a backstage with Tony Schiavone interviewing Action Andretti. Tony Schiavone the entire time as he's standing there listening to Action Andretti. If you go back and watch it, it looked like Schiavone was smelling something foul. Go back and watch this face. It's kind of distracting. But nonetheless, uh, uh, ultimately, uh, uh, Menard and company, they come and they're they're, they're jaw-jacking at uh, Andretti. They say that he's on fire. And then all of a sudden, Jericho from the other side behind Andretti uh, hits a fireball right into Action Andretti's face. So uh, heating this thing up, uh, literally. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're pushing Action Andretti, but I, I, I do agree, Jimmy. I, that was one thing I noticed is that he came out there and I figured, okay, he's going to get in the ring. And, you know, it, it, we're all just going to shuffle. But, no, he just disposed. Mm-hmm. They just disposed of people. Uh, yeah. Ricky Starks. Let's, let's talk about Ricky Starks well, again real I quick. Like, I um, like Starks. Ricky Starks, yeah, what's the star here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, the crowd. I mean, this was a pretty hot crowd tonight, but Ricky Starks really – um, the, the promo sounded natural, sounded good, sounded a lot of charisma. It really feels like we are, as Jimmy would say, he did not he did not win the title last night, but he still got over last mm-hmm. week. 
Exactly. And and even the fact that Jericho put him over to the point where he said all those nice things about him, get, trying to get him to join the Jericho Appreciation Society, uh, society but that's still the the leader of that society put him over and even I think he referred to him, if I'm not mistaken, a million dollar talent. You know, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So he did all that. And then we get some nice sympathy and they were getting some good heat on it. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, again, it's the last thing you remember. And the last thing I remember is bad timing with this uh, uh, action Andretti kid coming out and wiping out the entire uh, JAS. Just like you said, he said, took me right out of the segment after a, well, after what was entertaining. Yes. Yeah. Well, if uh, Ricky Starks is a million-dollar talent, here's a $50 super chat coming to Issa from uh, Sega Genesis. He says, Issa, I want you to put on your best outfit for when Santa comes down the chimney. When he does, I want you to get real close and kick him in the chestnuts and tell him he doesn't get any cookies of any kind until Jeff Jarrett is off my expletive TV. I'm on it, Sega. Thank you for the super chat. I'll hit Santa with a freaking guitar if we need to. <laughs> oh my goodness oh man uh, and sega's got another one which hey sega we'll get to it when uh, it comes time uh as it relates to the the aew dynamite content so uh, good stuff here already on the super chats that's the that's right. one of the funnier ones mm-hmm. all right it's time for match number five and our best of seven mm-hmm. the elite they're down three to one to death triangle anything goes in this one no rules my friends Christmas trees, barbed wire brooms. Uh, the Bucks do an elbow and a senton, respectively, off the top rope to the outside through the table. It's the what was it, Jimmy? The burning 450 uh, hammer. Um, I got to say though, you know, and I went on my big spiel last week how I'm not a big fan of best of sevens in wrestling, you know, because it's it's just too predictable and it takes too long for the payoff. They had me. At one moment, they had me when Phoenix hits a Hurricane Rana on Omega, just the way it all the sequence went, and the way everything was. And kudos to the talent and the refs. Every, every, I mean, it it actually felt for me. I was like, oh my god, are they going to do the big surprise and the upset mm-hmm. here? Um, and they didn't. Obviously, the match kept, kept on. But props in that one moment there to um, <laughs> to the ref, uh, to Phoenix, and to Omega. Omega does kick out. He also kicks out of getting hit with a hammer. All elite. Uh, they're all in submissions. This is another one. I was like, maybe this is where it goes. But no, they break up the submissions. Mm-hmm. Finally, though, the Bucks would hit the uh, that tandem dr- uh, driver that they do onto a chair onto Ray Phoenix. Uh, so the Elite get the win. So it is now 3-2. to two. We go to Falls kind of anywhere next week. But then there's, of course, Aftermath. Bloody beat down immediately by Death Triangle, drawing a lot of blood uh, mm-hmm. on the Bucks. So, uh, Jimmy, uh, thoughts on match five here? Uh, it was what I expected. It was going to be a, you know, balls to the walls, uh, oh, go out and get them and using weapons and uh, tables and chairs or whatever you might then and barbed wire uh, brooms and all that sort of stuff. It was exactly what I was expecting. And you know what? That's the crowd was into it. And that's the barometer, right? It's the audience and you're, and you're catering to that audience and they were enjoying it. And that's exactly what you wanted. There were there some stuff in there or made me think, Oh, come on. He kicked out of that. He kicked out of that. And this was the finish, you know, that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it was pretty much what I expected. And I just, you know what? I tuned out that uh, critique mode and just said, listen, I'm just going to watch it and absorb it all. And just, you know, that's that's the way for me, I have to watch those matches. Well, I felt like I was you, Jimmy, because it looked just before the finish, it was 
Phoenix and Omega, who were the legal men who were involved in the submission just prior, and then Omega's outside, and then it's the Bucks who end up pinning uh, Phoenix. So I, I guess there's no tag in in, in the match. I guess. I, yeah, I, I guess not. And the other thing, uh, you know, um, oh my goodness, where was I going to go with this? I, there was something else from the match that really. Uh, I'll think about it. You go ahead, Isa. <laughs> I, I I mean, the match was what I expected it to be. I popped at the Christmas tree in the ring. I mean, if it's the holiday season, you might as well go all in with it. Also, pop for Kenny Omega's man bun. Okay, I'm here to make observations that you guys will make. So, Kenny Omega came out with a man bun. I wasn't expecting that. I thought he looked good. Um yeah, it was it was a bit of a spot fest, but that's what I wanted it to be. If you're going to do this kind of matches, just make it a no DQ and let them go crazy. And that's what they did. Just like you, Justin, I had more than one moment that I thought that Triangle was going to win. And I was like, really? That's where we're going with this? Um, at this point, though, I do think this is going all the way to seven and the ladder match is just going to be, I hope everybody makes it out alive. But I did what Jimmy just said. I kind of like took off my critic fan, everything, and I just enjoyed it for what it was, and it was a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just remembered what it was. Uh, the the other little, you know, we talk about the little things, right, that, that, that makes sense. It felt like this week and Nick Jackson was selling that ankle more than he did last week when he made his uh, triumphant return to the ring from the back. You know, it, don't get me wrong, it makes sense, but at the same time, you're selling it more this week than you did last week? Come on, they did say on BTE that it might be a shoot broken ankle, but they say a lot of things on, on BTE. Mm-hmm. So right. you never know. Right. You never know. Well, again, that's their philosophy. They, they, they do rely on a lot of extras to try to fill in extra programming on digital shorts to fill in the logic of mm-hmm. what's going on. Uh, Sega uh, making it uh, rain here tonight. Yeah. Dropping a Benjamin. Uh, this is for Jimmy. I'm a mid-30s fan of old-school pro wrestling, old-school story, old-school logic and psychology. I can be into certain sports entertainment things, but can often picture myself shaking my head as much as I can tell Jimmy does. Well, again, I, you know, growing up in a different era, and I was uh, blessed to be here in Toronto for before WWF slash WWE became the main promotion in Toronto, uh, you know, run by President Jack Tunney, who was the promoter here in Toronto. Uh, his family used to, we used to get shows at Maple Leaf Gardens where you get talent from uh, NWA, WWF, and AEW, uh, but, but the main talent was from Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. So I got spoiled, man, with some good stuff. Like I was a huge Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood fan. You know, you, we had the the Piper and Valentine dog collar match up, up here as well. And the whole bit, there was a match in, oh boy, I'm not going to give away the year. They even had a champion versus champion match with Bob Backlund versus uh, Nick Bockwinkle. I kind of probably just gave it away too. So yeah, I'm an old school guy, man. I, I am, but I, I can understand the new school concept as long as it incorporates the what this business is based on is psychology and stuff that makes sense and good versus evil is where the money is. Yeah, Jimmy, I'm like you, I got spoiled as well. Growing up in the nineties, I was, I was in, in Maryland and, you know, had both DC and Baltimore markets. So I got, I got the NWA WCW and I certainly was part of, of the, the WWF territory. So I was always, mm-hmm. Isn't it funny how the upbringings or, or the times or the places that you were at a certain time changes how much we go to it, what we enjoy as adults? 
because me growing up in Puerto Rico, I always I talk about this yesterday on the podcast about how my upbringing is completely different than most people. So I'm watching Lucha Libre. I'm watching WWC and Puerto Rico wrestling is always known for being very hardcore, which goes to explain why I prefer certain matches over others, because that's what I was watching before I even put an eye on any WWF product. I'm watching Carlitos Colon and Abdullah the Butcher literally kill each other in the ring here in Bayamón. So it's like funny how that really influenced what you go on to enjoy when you are, you know, watching the product later on in life. No, and that, that totally makes sense. You know, I mean, my, mm-hmm. my, yeah, I mean, my, <clears throat> I can remember my first WWF live events and, and obviously it was, you know, it was very much about kind of what Jimmy was talking about earlier with, with how people talk about the cliches of the WWE with big guys, or whatever. It was very boldly produced and it was, a, it was, the, it was a larger than life attractions, um, you know, and, 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 and with the live events, so it wasn't necessarily, you know, it didn't, you know, you didn't have to see a 20 minute, you know, it it, it it wasn't work wasn't work rate heavy by the way we measure work rate today, mm-hmm. um, if, if that makes any sense. At least the majority of the matches you got your you know you, you had your IC match, but um, mm-hmm. you, you had a lot of you had a lot of just playing to the crowd, playing up the character. Mm-hmm. All right, jumping back in here to Dynamite. Uh, of course, we got the backstage that I already mentioned with Action Andretti, uh, Brian Danielson out in the ring with Renee. He uh, talked. Brian starts to talk about how he started in San Antonio training. Had his first match just down the street, and, and of course notes how he was trained uh, by Shawn Michaels, and then HBK champ breaks out on AEW wow. Dynamite. Uh, who had that on their bingo card for tonight? <laughs> um, talks about William Regal. Yeah, not me. Uh, he talks about how William Regal though is the guy who um, trained him and turned him into the wrestler and the man that he is today. Uh, tells MJF there, you are going to learn there are consequences for your action. He calls out MJF, but does not get MJF. Instead, he gets all ego, Ethan Page and Stokely Hathaway. And uh, Ego says, you know, I I would be champ, but uh, here's Brian jumping the line. Uh, here, here's Vegetable Man jumping the line. Uh, and ultimately, we're going to get a match between these two next week. Issa, are you on board with Vegetable Man versus all ego Ethan Page? Yeah, I guess. I mean, we gotta we gotta build some kind of stories before we get to MJF and Brian, right? You gotta throw it out a little bit. Um, I I, I love the education because it also took me by surprise. And I I am a little bit over the mentioning of William Regal. I guess that that's how we got to MJF and Brian not liking each other, but they need to just kind of like slowly stop mentioning him as much. He's not gonna be here anymore, and we know why. So, so we are keeping kayfabe, like you may say, but we also know the real reason. So it's it's a weird thing to watch, storyline wise. But yeah, I mean, I'm okay with this. Um, you gotta get you gotta get Brian a couple of wins here and and make him look like the number one contender. So I'm fine with this. But did I did I care when I was slightly disappointed when Ethan Page was the one who came out when Brian called out MJF. Jimmy, for me, the two most memorable things of this whole segment is an HBK channel dynamite and the very viral friendly uh, clip of Stokely going, you raggedy bitch. Uh, right. Is that a good thing when that is that a good thing when that's the top headline for me in the segment? Uh, no, that doesn't come off well. And it's and it's too bad because when you take someone like an Ethan Page, he is a talented individual and he is good on the stick. And he did what he's supposed to do. He generated heat. He got that crowd to dislike him. And that's the goal. That's what a heel is supposed to do. A heel's not supposed to go out there and go, well, I got to be cool so that some people still like me. He doesn't care. He wants to be a heel. He knows how to be a heel. And he can do it. And him being from Canada, I've seen him do it for, for a long time and know what he's capable of. So um, it, for that reason, uh, 
reason and for, um, you know, for selfish reasons. Uh, I, I like to see this between uh, Brian Danielson and, and Ethan Page. I am looking forward to it. Well, we'll see. Uh, again, we, we agree. Brian needs to get some wins, but we'll see if mm-hmm. the match still for all eager Ethan Page on Dynamite against a big name like Danielson can uh, elevate his stock. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Uh, we got a super chat here from Stephen Marcacilli. Uh, he's asking one current AEW star better off in WWE. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I think we can run through a list of yeah. right. I think we can run through a list of guys that you see all the million dollar potential in that aren't being as consistently used. So I mean, Wardo's there. You know, Miro yeah. back as Rusev is there. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think I think there's a lot of names that you could put out there for consideration. The, the one you mentioned, though, is Wardlow. Like, I, I think uh, you know that he's he's he looks like he's tailor made for the WWE. Right, that's my thing with him. He just looks like he doesn't belong here. Like, I, I can't put it together. But I, 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 it doesn't matter what company they go to if they creative, it's not there to back them up. Yeah, and uh, that's kind of a segue into the next thing. We got a, a pre-tape promo from Samoa Joe, and he's cutting a promo on Wardlow. They are going to have a match next week, and he says holiday cheer is going to end. Uh, Jimmy, I feel like, you know, look, uh, Wardlow lost his titles to Samoa Joe. They've still kind of been, you know, in, in each other's uh, business, and here comes the the, the, the rematch or, or, the, or the, the, the the final match, I guess. I, I feel like whatever happens in this match is going to tell us a lot about what's to come with Wardlow. Either you're putting the title, you're putting a, 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 a AEW title back on him, or if he doesn't win, uh, if he doesn't win, I'll be very curious to watch how he doesn't win yes. and what that can entail for what his future is. That's that's the big barometer, is, is if he's not you know, going to be the champion once again, how do you get to him to the next level with him not winning the championship from a Samoa Joe? Because, you know, if it's if it's a straight up win by Samoa Joe, that steam uh, that was if there was any left for Wardlow, any steam was completely gone. So if 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 the plan is for Samoa Joe to hang on to that title, there has to be some other element involved in this. I don't want to pick, uh, speculate on who, but someone has to get involved here to to help Samoa Joe get past this. And uh, if uh, Wardlow is scheduled to be the champion once again. This champion, it almost feels like, you know, I don't see him as a Tito Santana as intercontinental champion. He he belongs more in the main title picture. But again, yeah, a, again, I'm just hoping that ship has not sailed. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Well, we said we'll have to see because again, I mean, if I, I don't, I don't see why they would take the titles off Wardlow than to put them back on. And and, and if they were. I feel like they would make this match next week a bigger deal and you would have seen Warlow tonight and, and it wouldn't have just been a pre-tape. So that leads me to believe that it's going to be Joe winning. And again, if, if he wins in some kind of decisive manner, um, that just, again, makes me wonder what the future is holding. Yep. I agree. I think I keep looking at this because I'm only just the only one left that has a ring of honor in a, in an AEW title. 
he's holding both of these titles. And I was thinking that maybe they're going to start splitting up Ring of Honor and, and AEW talent. So I'm very curious to see how this will go in that regards. But if, if Warlow gains the title back, I almost feel like, what was the point? What was the point of putting it on Samoa Joe to begin with? The TNT title has lost a lot of credibility. They really need to work on building it back up. Yeah, no, I think uh, we could all agree to that. All right, up next, we get a, uh, a good old-fashioned squash match. We get Hook, the cold-hearted, handsome devil versus Exodus Prime. And uh, Hook with a few nice takedowns, uh, showing off some some judo moves. And, uh, of course, his dad has his own commentary. And uh, we quickly get a Hook victory via submission. Then we cut to backstage out in the par- or out in the parking lot, rather. And uh, backstage, Stokely Hathaway has got Lee Morarty and Big Bill beaten up on Jungle Boy. Of course, we've seen an alliance there with Hook and Jungle Boy in the past. And the uh, big choke slam from Big Bill uh, on Jungle Boy into the dumpster. Uh, so, Hook, uh, uh, Issa, again, one of the biggest pops from a very loud crowd tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shout out to Hook. He's finally old enough to gain. Like, he got chest hair now. So, puberty is here for him. Good for him. <laughs> no. Nice. Jimmy, are you as impressed with Hook's puberty as he said? Uh, not so much, no. And uh, uh, I, I was a little, actually, to be honest with you, I was t- a little bit surprised by the poppy guy. I didn't expect that. And uh, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, that audience knowing exactly who he is, being Taz's son and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it was what it was supposed to be, an enhancement match to make him look strong. And you quickly forgot about that because of right after that, we go backstage and, like every match in after every match in AEW, there's aftermath somewhere, whether it's in the ring or somewhere else. <laughs> they make you, they tend to make you forget about what just happened. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a formula that we uh, continue to see, and um, yeah, I don't know. Moxley versus uh, Darius Martin here uh, again. Another this match competitive, um, and of course Moxley has Claudio in his corner. Uh, Darius Martin has his brother Dante out there. Uh, you know, we get a little fight in the crowd for a moment, but ultimately Mox is going to hit that double arm underhook DDT that he calls the Death Rider, um, and he's going to get the victory here. Uh, so John Moxley, as you would expect, uh, you know, really kind of the big question right now, and I think it's 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 a question that was asked by Renee to Brian in Kayfabe storyline, but I think it probably is a real question that's going on internally is what is the Blackpool Combat Club anymore? Does it make sense to still have them together? Obviously, you don't when you don't have your king of blackpool england william regal there anymore do these three guys is it still storyline or, or i guess four if you uh um if you count wheeler yuda does it make no, sense we don't count him we don't count okay. <laughs> does it make sense booking wise to have them linked together or is it does it hinder them so uh isa um you know john moxley gets the win here but what is you know what, what do you want to see it sounds like you want to see uh break this group up yeah because they feel like they're going in complete different directions at this point Right. I mean, you have um, Claudio needs to start worrying about the Ring of Honor Championship. Brian is finally worrying about this AW World Championship. It's his turn, you know, and Moxley's working page. They're in three complete separate storylines, which I'm happy with because I also need them to be done with JAS and JAS appears to be moving on finally. But they just feel like they're in complete different roads right they all took their own little fork on the road and i'm okay with them splitting up still remembering hey there were the blackpool comeback there's an alliance there they need to come together later on i'm okay with that but i i even don't see them anymore as a as a faction i don't so i mean we'll see where it goes but i i wouldn't be mad at them splitting up uh, jimmy aew has no shortage of faction so i think they could afford to 
disband the Blackpool Combat Club, right? No, absolutely. And and like Issa said, everybody's involved in, in their own little deal going on. So it, and it, it makes it makes it more interesting when you have a little more um, stories to to play along. But I do have a critique from this match because uh, you did say something where they fought to the outside uh, briefly fought. To the, it wasn't brief. They were out there for what felt like a long time. But then later on in the match, they tease a count out finish. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, Jimmy, Jimmy I'm going to send you the clip. I was live streaming a watch along and I brought you up. I said, Jimmy Corderas is twitching in his living room right now as he's oh. watching what's going on. You know, I, I, I don't mind teasing as long as it's consistent. Be consistent. You can't tease a count out finish in a match where they were just out there for two minutes. This is true. Uh, to, to, to give a little more detail if, if those of you that are just checking the podcast out and relying on us to fill in the blanks for you yeah so they're fighting on the outside they go into the crowd mm-hmm. moxley suplexes them on the know, concrete yes on the concrete uh, dante martin comes to check on them, and, and jimmy is right they were out there for for definitely at least a minute and if, if not not to be exaggerated it was at least a minute mm-hmm. uh maybe longer and you're right and then later on there's a spot where it looks like darius martin's gotten all that he can handle and he slides uh, slides back in later just at the count of 10 uh, or just mm-hmm. the count of nine mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean it. I, I mean, I, I again, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if it's just a, if, if, if they just don't have any agent or anybody that, that's, that's. I don't know if these things are not being relayed. Like if, if they truly are just keeping it between themselves and they're not relaying it to a, to a, to an office member, or if, or if this gets brought up to Tony Khan and that's it's just not an important thing to him. I, I, I would love to know. Me too. Would love to know. Uh, we talk about story. We do get a little more backstory on. Uh, Hobbs, we continue the book of Hobbs. Uh, we see him kind of working out uh, in the shadows, and he's talking about his first memory as his uncle is seeing his uncle OD. Uh, he's talking about being beaten, robbed, stabbed, and shot all as a kid. He goes, Who would do that to a kid? Monsters, but they uh, also created a monster, and soon we'll turn the next chapter into the book of Hobbs. Jimmy, uh, are you uh, interested in Powerhouse Hobbs and this ministry, this repackaging? Now, I like the repackaging, and it and he's telling a story, and he's and he's relaying his real life to it, and and it makes if it, it makes him uh, more authentic to the audience, and and I and I want to see where this leads, and and we kind of not sure. It it almost feels like he's going to be like this vengeful babyface, but at the same time, you know, with all the hardships that he dealt with in his life, it could turn him into a nasty individual. So I am looking forward to see where this leads him. Isa, I like the effort. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask. I was going to say to you, I like the effort they're putting towards this with Hobbs, with with these promos, with these vignettes. But I can't help but be a little cynical that, like, you know, we, we've seen Wardlow as the big man that was that was our shiny item for a few weeks. We've seen Lance Archer. We've seen right b- b- big bills coming in. Like, I, I I can't help but feel cynical that this is going to be a project that's going to be high and mighty for a few weeks, and then it's going to all of a sudden be rampage fodder. Right, it's very hard to become invested because we've seen them put this time and effort into other characters in AEW and it kind of just ends up going nowhere. However, I did love what Jimmy brought up because as I'm watching the packaging, first of all, bringing some reality into anything nowadays really does help the crowd goes for that and AEW really capitalizes on bringing real story, real life stories into their storylines. But I didn't know as I'm watching it if I'm getting uh, a vengeful heel that's gonna like if he don't care his family did that to him why would he care about what anybody else would do to him or if we're gonna get a, a baby face that's gonna you know kind of like overcome all the things that he went through and and that alone got me invested into this yeah and i'm okay with the 
uh, I'm okay with 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 the guessing game. I'm okay of them not mm-hmm. flat out saying this is a this is gonna be a bad man who's gonna do bad things as a heel. Right. Or this is a mm-hmm. I, like I'm I'm okay with that. I think that that adds and and for first off it adds a little bit of intrigue as as the as the viewer, but also from a booking standpoint, it leaves them open ended to where if they first thought, oh, we're gonna really heat him up to be a top heel, but then maybe they go, well, hell, we need somebody to be the next guy to stand up to Samoa Joe uh, so we can let's 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 make it a baby face uh, so I, I kind of like this uh, this approach so I'm, I'm mm-hmm. stay tuned for more mm-hmm. we get the guns versus FTR uh, one of the more entertaining spots here is Austin Gunn teases the HBK sweet chin music uh, mm-hmm. and then just before he actually hits it he gives a little DX uh, suck it and then he goes and actually does start to apply the sharpshooter uh, this of course all on Dax Harwood who's uh, a very well-known Bret Hart uh, loyalist. Mm-hmm. So uh, fun spot to do in the hometown of Shawn Michaels, as we've talked about. But the finish is an upset here. We're going to get an O'Connor roll-up uh, by one of the guns, and, and the other one is then helping them with some leverage. So uh, a, a big, probably the biggest victory on Dynamite uh, on TV at, at all for the guns in AEW, Jimmy, getting a win on FTR. Yeah, and and I'm 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 fine with the win, and I'm fine with them doing it in heel fashion. I could critique a little bit about the positioning on the finish with the uh, the refereeing and stuff like that because it almost looked like uh, in the peripheral vision you can kind of see the referee could kind of spot the the cheating that was going on. But that's again, you know, me being a former striped shirt individual noticing something that uh, you know somebody might not notice, but. Uh, I, I liked it. I liked the match. I thought it was a very good match. Uh, for the most part, the, the rules were being in, in, enforced, and that has a lot to do with FTR because, uh, you know, they are just that good a tag team that they could get their stuff in within the parameters of following the rules of a tag team match. And uh, I love the little uh, reverse shout out because, you know, like you said, being him being a big Bret Hart fan, but the guns are wearing the pink and black looking like the pink and black attack. I I, I love that little yeah. uh, thing too, as well. Isa, my next question, uh, Sega Genesis is jumping in and just kind of uh, dropping 20 to uh, get in on it. So I'm going to, I'll still direct it to you. He says, this feels like doing jobs on the way out tour for FTR. I was going to kind of ask you the same thing. Uh, I, yeah. I believe Dax Harwood himself even said in an interview recently that like their deals up this spring. So there's not even a guessing April. game of when is it April. Uh, this does kind of feel like let's utilize a tag team. It's got a lot of, that's got a lot of gold on them in the past and let's get some wins for some guys that need it and that are going to be hanging around. Do you agree? Uh, yeah. But then after they take how many losses, when does it stop feeling like it's a big win for whatever team defeats? Because that's always seen them is take a bunch of losses, especially as of recently. So does, it's not going to help any teams if they're just losing match after match after match. It's just going to become predictable. Well, I, I and I get that. I get that logic. I guess so my counter to that will be, and we'll have to see if this plays out this way. My counter would be if in fact April's if, if April's when the, the their contract expires and if they've even said to Tony Khan, Hey, thanks, boss, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go do something else somewhere else, uh, then I could see Tony Khan's perspective, and I don't and I wouldn't blame him for it, to say, Well, I'm not gonna keep the guys on my valuable TV time for the next four months just because and then have them be fresh in people's okay, so mind. Okay, so put people that, that put people well, they are not putting on TV on TV, especially they're not going to be back after April. Why give them well, TV well, time when you're having you're well, wasting well, other people that you're not putting on TV? What I'm saying, this might be the last of their TV times. I want to get it. I maybe I'm saying maybe right. I'm not saying this many, but I'm saying maybe they only have one or two right. more losses they're going to give, and then that mm-hmm. is going to be that. Yeah. 
You know, so that yeah. way it's kind of like for Tony Khan. If you're Tony Khan, it's like, all right, let me get this team out of sight, out of mind, off TV. You know, so that way their stock is not as red hot when they jump over to my competition. Right. So, right, but we'll it's also it also becomes it comes to the point where you're just like, okay, so they're not re-signing. We saw it. We see it happen in WWE too. I'll give you an example, like a random example. Matt Hardy getting killed by everybody like a week <laughs> before his contract was up. Like we see it all the time, and it's just like I rather it. And I get it. You have to protect your TV time and your stock and your value as AEW, but it's just like you're not going to help other teams by constantly jobbing them out. Mm-hmm. We'll see what comes with, with the guns. Yep. But, uh, yeah, that was definitely a surprising uh, finish here tonight. Uh, su- surprising on, on surface, but, again, as we just dissected it, maybe it's not as surprising. Right. Right. Whew. All right. I'm going to try to do this next one. Um, do we have to? No. No, we don't. <laughs> we don't have to. <laughs> no, we have to. Mm-hmm. I've been drinking coquito just to prepare for this. Uh, there you go. The boss Rick Ross is going to be mediating Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Uh, first, it should be noted that uh, as Rick Ross is out there, this is and I, and I actually thought when they promoted this, I thought, all right, may, you know, Rick Ross can come out in front of the live crowd at some point. Maybe maybe it's in between Dynamite and Rampage. Maybe it's like, you know, whatever. If you have Rick Ross in the building, yeah, let let the crowd pop for him or whatever. But uh, Maybe do this in a contained pre-tape <laughs> so you can get as many takes out of this as you need to do. Mm-hmm. But no, we'll do it live, pal. Rick Ross is out there with a live mic. Tony Schiavone's trying to point to him where the hard camera is. I get it. He wants to face where the majority of the people are, which then has his back to the hard camera. He's out here just rambling and talking. He looks at Keith Lee and then proceeds to tell him that he's a big MFer and TNT no. does not. They don't, they don't hit the delay. They don't hit the dump. <laughs> so that, that makes it out. Um, before Shout out to Keith Lee. His reaction was incredible. His <laughs> reaction was incredible. Like the, the facial expression that he made, epic. Yeah. <laughs> before I move any further, because Corey Pride's had this super chat here for a while for five bucks. Corey says, How, how long before foul mouth to EW gets kicked off the air by Turner Networks? Why does the profanity keep occurring? Uh, I don't know if they're gonna get yeah. kicked off, but I but but I, I I can't imagine they'd be thrilled at 920 or whatever that was. No. Uh, when we're normally that we're getting the mf'er dropped yeah i'll just put that out there mm-hmm. all right so let me continue <clears throat> so he does that uh he's kind of putting over keith lee and then we got to get swerve out here swerve like it's like a weird delay swerve finally comes out and why are we doing this in keith lee time blah blah blah, blah. cuts a promo and then says you need to have eyes in the back of your head keith lee is an attack by parker boudreau if you're going who Mm-hmm. This was a guy who uh, played football at University of Central Florida, got some buzz on the internet a couple of years ago that he left the football team, was training, I think, with even even Marie and some other people in Florida, uh, was you know um, was on NXT for for uh, a minute, and then he was part um, and then he was part of a budget cut, massive cuts. Uh, drew a lot of comparisons to his look to Brock Lesnar, to it being right. a young looking Brock Lesnar. Uh, so so that's some people know him because of that. So he is attacking. And then somebody else who I don't even know if we've got their name. I don't know who it is. Covered in tattoos. Another big, mm-hmm. uh, big boy. He's attacking. Finally, Swerve comes down. They lay Keith Lee across the steel steps. Put a cinder block on him. Swerve comes off the top and does a stomp. All the while, Rick Ross is just randomly, yeah, we making moments here. Like he's just randomly, mm-hmm. like he's just like the hype man on a on a stage, just saying like it's it's like a Mad Libs of. Where are the people at? Put the hands up. It's like anything you could say is a hype man. He's just sane. 
even if it doesn't fit in that exact context. This might have been the weirdest shit I've ever seen, Issa. I, I don't know what where, I don't even know where to start in terms of what 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 did what. I don't know what we watch. I, I'm still trying to figure out. I still don't know who the second guy was. And if if it wasn't because we watch NXT and we're familiar with Parker, a lot of people probably didn't know who Parker was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I guess to your point earlier with the Rick Ross, maybe free taping would have probably been a good idea because I'm not sure that anybody went over what was supposed to happen here. Or maybe he's at that celebrity level where it's just like, go out there and do your thing and nobody really directed him. But I never understood anything of what he was meant to do. And by the time Swerve comes out, I'm already so disconnected from this. And then you have people that we don't know, they're building in weird ways. And it, it didn't it didn't do anything. I'm sorry, this segment didn't do anything for me. Other the only thing that I, the only takeaway is like, oh great, another faction. And I don't know who a person in this faction is, and we are what, two hours from it, and nobody can still figure out who this person is. It's like, it's just, it's not a good look. It was not a good look. And it was just not entertaining at all. The only takeaway I have is, is Keith Lee's face when, when Rick Ross said the word that he said. <laughs> so, Jimmy, the uh, group here is called Mogul Affiliates. They all had matching shirts on. Okay. Uh, why? Swerve, <laughs> Jimmy, don't sound so thrilled. <laughs> Swerve Strickland has got talent. Mm-hmm. Why do we need to put him in a group? Because I guess because everybody else is in a group. We don't. That, that, that's, that's what it feels like. It feels like everybody needs to be in some sort of faction or group. And, you know, and you talk about the cinder block. Has anybody ever actually kicked a cinder block? <laughs> you know what? I, 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 break mine, I, I, break, I break mine every time. Well, then you, oh. you've, you've, got, you've got a super foot. That's for sure. Because it could have been done differently. Look, I get it you know this is pro wrestling we're suspension of disbelief for you know that kind of stuff but at the same time come on double stomp on a cinder block and cracking it anyway so uh and as far as the segment it just felt like it just felt like a random segment thrown out there to for lack of a better term take up some tv time some valuable you talk about some valuable tv time that could have been used on talents that they're being underutilized that entire segment was a was time that could have been better utilized to get some talent over. Well, you know, Jimmy, that, that, they're used to putting the women on this time spot, so they didn't know what to do with it. So they just like, oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. They were, were going to have the women main event. They were like, oh, God, what do we do with that hour? Let's just throw something out there. <laughs> Tremendous. 920 to 930? What the hell do we do here? Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute, um, we have men in this? <laughs> yeah, the well, beatdown. I mean, th- I'm glad that you brought up the cinder block because it was very non-believable. I didn't think it was no. an effective beatdown on Keith Lee at all. No. Um, yeah, yeah this, uh, I'm glad they did not peg the women in this normal spot and then have this Rick Ross celebrity segment be what end of the show because that would have been a major thumper to end the show. So good on that. Uh, so the main event is champion Jamie Hayter up against Hikaru Shida. And um, this match goes, I mean, this match gets, you know, a solid bit of time. It's in the main event spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and and there might be some, I could see some critique out there. Like, okay, this is the main event. But, you know, to that, we, we constantly kind of get on them about putting the women in that same 920 spot. You got to give the women a chance. So I, I, at least it's a title match. It's for the title. So. You know, I, I I give them credit for doing that, and and the match. Look, at one point, they uh, killed this, it. This got the crowd. This got the crowd to their feet. Yeah. Um. 
So it was a little unsuspecting of a main event. Jamie Hayter and Hikaru Shida are not the two biggest names in women's wrestling, but Jamie Hayter has got a lot of popularity growing, and she is the champion. So all that makes sense. Um, you go a little outside, you know, what have you, with Britt Baker trying to cause a distraction. Uh, mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's a ripcord lariat from Hayter, so she retains. And this is just when things got rushed because I could tell they were running really close on time. But we see uh, Britt and uh, 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 Rebel putting the boots uh, to Sheeta, here comes Tony Storm. They attack Tony Storm, and then out comes Soraya to run off the heels. Of course, that's logical because we know that Soraya uh, and Britt Baker are going to be involved in a tag match here in a couple weeks. A lot of questions to who Soraya's partner is going to be. Jimmy, what did you make of this uh, uh, women's world title main event? No, I thought the women worked their butts off. They had a heck of a match. I mean, obviously, there's little tiny things. I talk about the little things that I could critique in this, but why? I, I, I love the fact that they put this match on in the main event spot. I love the fact that the women took full advantage of being in that spot by getting the crowd. Like you said, there were times tonight where the crowd wasn't as vocal as they normally are. On Wednesday nights, because that you know AEW crowd buys into their stuff quite easily, and there were times that they were a little quiet tonight. But they, the women, got that crowd into that match, and and hats off to them for for putting on a hell of a performance. It's just again, I hate to use that cliche: twenty pounds of potatoes in a ten pound bag. They didn't have to do all that aftermath later, you know. Let 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 the match end the way it ended. You know what I mean? Issa, what'd you make of the ladies getting the primetime main event spot? Love seeing the ladies on the main event, especially because it is a world title match and we don't see that often. I actually thought they delivered. I really enjoyed the match. I thought they both looked great. I always go back to think about how Shira's run was during the pandemic time, and I don't think it was as appreciated. Like, we didn't really get to enjoy, and I tend to forget how good she is because we don't see her on TV you know, as often as we should. Um, yeah, I, I really like that. I love hearing the crowd really get into it. They really managed to bring the crowd in and get everybody invested. There was a couple of false finishes that I was like all in. Um, the, the ending rush, not necessarily because if, if Britt Baker and Saray are having a tag match, why are you taking away from Jamie Hayter's first title defense to kind of like sell us that storyline when that's something completely different? So I wish we would have just let it breathe. I mean, they were out of time anyways. Let it breathe. Let mm-hmm. Jamie Hayter take the moment as her first title defense, and let's do something with Soraya and Britt, and Britt Baker at Rampage or next week. Um, mm-hmm. Unless unless you're just starting to tease that these are going to be the women that, you know, you know, Tony Storm or Sheeta are going to be the tag partner, um, which I doubt. But I just wish Jamie Hayter would have just had her moment and, and let it breathe a little bit. Yeah. Every match, uh, every finish. Ahead. Has some kind oh, of a, yeah. some kind of attack, some kind of is 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 it gets old really quick. Mm-hmm. Let's see what the numbers are for the episode. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see if people are are are, are wearing down on the formula. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sega with another big super chat that he's been patiently sitting on, <clears throat> wishing everyone a happy holidays. Thank you. Uh, and that AEW main event has me in a good mood. Well, that's why I spent all the money. For me, it was one of my top five AEW women's matches of the year. I'm glad they were given the spot to showcase their full ability. Can't speak for the rest of the show. Thank you, Sega. I really appreciate Thank you, the Sega. support. Of and the podcast. Can't disagree with you, Sega. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so you know, interesting. I mean, it's definitely a show where they are definitely were deflecting to tune in next week. Tune in on January 4th. Um, certainly setting up for big show. Uh January 4th show should be noted actually too. Tony Khan did uh <clears throat> there's been rumors about this, and Tony Khan kind of confirmed it that January 4th when they kick off the new year. Uh, that, that dynamite's gonna have a different look. Uh, Yay! You know, finally, seems like yeah. seems like the look, the set, the production might be a little bit different. 
course, they did talk about some production changes and personnel they made. Uh, well, it was last week or two weeks ago now. But um, so we'll be keeping an eye on all that. Uh, whatever happens next week, and of course, in some of the matches we talked about, we will not be here to talk about it. We're all taking off next week yes. uh, for the holidays. So uh, we will uh, we will miss all of you, but uh, we hope all of you have a safe, wonderful holiday. Uh, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it is you're celebrating around mm-hmm. the world. Uh, have fun. Be safe. Uh, we appreciate it. Of course, you can always still tweet at each of us, at Jimmy Corderas, at NYC Demon Diva, at Justin Lavar again. Let us know how and why, how and where you're listening to the podcast or enjoying it. We always love to hear that. At least I do. I think it's a uh, blast to mm-hmm. see what's going on. But, hey, look, mm-hmm. if, if you're gathering around with the cousins you don't see too often, they're like, What's this I'm hearing about pro wrestling? Or if you're trying to get them, put put our podcast on. All right, you know, yes. put put Triple J from this past Monday on. Put this on from Wednesday night. Whatever you think there's gonna, whatever you think's gonna feed their appetite. Mm-hmm. Turn it on. Make an impression. I mean, okay. Christmas dinner and and, and exactly, and exactly. And and just just a quick FYI to those out there. Not only are we taking a break from here next week, but uh, next week I'm taking a break from the ref and rant and dedicating the entire week to family. There you go. Uh, Jimmy, while well, you got, I'm gonna miss him. Though. Well, I'm gonna miss him. Oh, thank you, Jimmy. Give us the final plugs. Uh, I know you're taking a break, uh, of the mm-hmm. reference next week, but still give us the plugs. Yeah, well, we're still gonna have two more. Well, maybe, uh, maybe a ref and rant tomorrow and, and uh, a ref and Merry Christmas on uh, <laughs> on uh, Friday. Uh, try to try to try to end it the year on a positive note and uh, come back in the new year stronger than ever and uh, and have more fun doing it exactly which is what it's supposed to be about this uh, what we do like we do here we have fun doing this show i have a blast with you guys yeah it makes my wednesdays better isa mm-hmm. final plugs nyc demon diva everywhere youtube instagram twitter go find me yes. um follow my youtube i don't know what my stream schedule is because i think i'm gonna take a couple of days off as well just to you know <laughs> hang out with the family we'll see there you go very good same i'm gonna do what i gotta do pittsburgh chesapeake beach maryland uh, enjoy it all uh shout out to wayne he just checked in from Herndon, virginia uh-huh. i got a lot of love for the northern virginia area got a lot of fond memories in fairfax uh, Herndon's a good place as well so appreciate that thank you ricky uh happy holidays justin jimmy and isa and thank the you. wrestling Inc. family yes so a lot of good stuff yeah we really appreciate i haven't done any of my christmas shopping by the way i'm trying to go tomorrow <clears throat> what shut up shut wow. up <laughs> What? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Oh my goodness! See, now that that's that that surprise. You pegged me as a type that like would have all your Amazon orders done in like November. Mm-hmm. Right? No, no. I'm in Puerto Rico. You can't Amazon order anything. You have to go and physically buy it. Otherwise, it won't get here. Oh wow! <laughs> but okay. you were just even when space. I ship things out, they take like a month to get to whoever I mail things out to. So. <laughs> You can't you can't trust anything shipping. So you have to physically okay. that's why if you go to a if you go to the malls in Puerto Rico, I always say Puerto Ricans are keeping malls alive because you know in the States malls are slowly dying. Here mm-hmm. they're always packed, but it's because we don't have prime. It doesn't come in two days. It, it takes wow. about a month. Gotcha. And you were just you were just in New York two weeks ago, <laughs> but I guess you would have had a you you would have had to travel with all Yeah, but York, I so. you, mm-hmm. you yeah, you want me to check in bags like you gotta keep them under a certain way. So no, I wasn't doing any Christmas travel. Mm-hmm. I bought some things for myself in Roman, but that's <laughs> yeah. well, best, best of luck to you yeah. on that shopping i know jimmy jimmy and i cannot do any shopping the next few days we're getting ready to be snowed in so yeah, yeah we, uh, we, i know we, i hope you guys me, are we, safe we we filled up our fridge and our freezer we're you know you had that just, wine just, the, the, what was it called the, the warm wine the that mold, you drink the mold wine oh, mold wine we went and got yeah. the mold wine our annual Perfect. mold wine You're at the safe. christmas market and we're good 
I the other day I was in a the other day I was in a store and I saw some uh, I saw some mold wine. I was sent a picture to you, Jimmy. I was like, oh, now now that you've said it, I'm gonna see mold wine everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how, that's how that works. Of course, that's how that works. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, again, like, subscribe, leave a comment, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. Uh, listen at any time. Check out the archives. Uh, check us out live. Whatever you fancy, but it's all fun. It's all good. Appreciate the support. Uh, happy holidays, everybody. Be safe. We'll be back in 2023. Good night. Good night.